Welcome to Natural Bliss Podcast. I am your host, Joyce Wheeler. And I want you to go and visit heavenlybodieswellness.com. We are having a site-wide sale for Valentine's Day. Everything on the site is 20% off. All you have to do is use code SHEERLOVE in all capitals. So go on over there, head over there. There's all, all kinds of lovely stuff just waiting for you to give to whoever you love or just to give to yourself. And we do have gift certificates, so you can do that too. Okay, so today I have with me Tanya Taylor. She is a divine feminine mastery activator and spiritual coach raised by a white witch and astrologer, plant medicine facilitator and double certified holistic nutrition coach. After getting her master's degree, financed by performing as a burlesque and musical dancer, she realized the chase for it was social programming, mastering five languages, living and traveling worldwide, living in, on three continents, five countries, and nine cities. She self-published two books and opened and ran a successful location independent business amid the pandemic, self-caring, clinical depression, IBS, emotional eating disorder, and pre-diabetes, losing 22 pounds without dieting and gym, experiencing clinical death and coming back to life, along with coaching, guiding, and mentoring hundreds of people across the globe on how to access and use divinity within. Tana then decided to synergize everything she was taught from her mom, ascended masters, angels, mentors, coaches, and guides, into what she knew about love, life, and power of the divine feminine energy. Welcome to the show, Tana. Thank you, Joyce, so much. Thank you. And thank you all the listeners that are listening to this podcast. So you were raised by a white witch. I was indeed. And what was that like growing up in a house was that, well, first of all, what country is it that you were born in? I am born in Croatia. That is a small country in Europe, um, a Mediterranean country which borders with Italy. So is it common in Croatia for people to practice white witchcraft? Oh, God, no. <laughs> God, no. <laughs> so... To start off the story, I want to say that I actually had the privilege to be born in a very spiritual household. However, my surroundings weren't, uh, wasn't all that acceptable and susceptible towards spirituality and higher levels of consciousness and all those beautiful stuff that you read um, from my bio. It's, it was really more about... Uh, being in your own strength and believing in God, because Croatia is an extremely Catholic country. So upon growing up, I was more than often more isolated from my um, friends because of the views and perspectives of their uh, parents. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, the, the upbringing came with a lot of blessings and a couple of turbulences as well. So did your friends and families know that your mother was a white witch? Well, I 
would like to kind of correct that and, and say that she is a white witch up to this day. Okay. And yes, yes, they all know who is she and what she's doing. She appeared on national television many times. She led her own show. She wrote three books. She self-published uh, an astrologic magazine back in 1995. And she was one of the first fempreneurs, which were heavily involved into the spirituality and personal mindset and growth mindset back then before it was a thing like, like it is today. So yes, all of our family members knew, uh, my friends knew, and it really did create a very interesting dynamic. Whereas we had a lot of supporters from one, one end, but a lot of backlash from another, especially you know from the churches nearby and pastors and priests. So, which weren't all that thrilled about uh, proclamation of uh, uh, white wizardry and and using this magic that we have within to live the life that we deserve. So for the listening audience, what does a white witch look like? I mean, because <laughs> the, the, the term witch comes with a lot of stigma, at least here in the US it does. You know, it's like, it, it's a older woman, she's very regal and not very attractive and a big nose and it warts and, you know, she's, she's not a nice person and she's going to cast these evil spells on you and that, that, that witches do bad things. They worship the devil. That's what witches do as far as people are concerned. So is that what your mom did? <laughs> Absolutely not. Actually, quite the opposite. White witch is a woman who mastered natural remedies and she's first and foremost a people lover and a nature lover. She respects everything that, that is surrounding her. And she has equal respect towards the magic within. She helps, she serves, she educates. She is teaching us how to use all that nature has provided us with to help ourselves to live a healthier life. She's a listener. She's a caretaker. She's a caregiver. She is that shoulder to cry on that you, we want to cry on. She is a connector. She is a sun worshiper. And actually, the white witch is a woman who is completely, completely aware of her inner power and is using that inner power on an everyday basis to beautify the life of others as much as her own. That's beautiful. So hopefully by doing this, we can kind of erase that stigma of which and people have a better understanding that, you know, witches these days and even back in the day, you know, used plants to make teas and to make tinctures and, you know, maybe used crystals to, to harness the energy of their chakras and to, you know, just different things like that and using what's been put on the earth for us to have a better quality of life and heal if need be. Because <laughs> the body's a miraculous thing, isn't it? Beautiful. Beautiful. You know, people, people just don't realize how resilient the body is. And that if you give it what it needs and put it in the environment that it needs to be to heal, it will heal itself. Oh, absolutely, sir. I, I was just listening yesterday to... Uh, podcast this this man 
was told he needed to have a liver transplant. He had holes in his heart. He had brain issues. And he went off somewhere with some shaman and was able to regenerate his liver, his heart, and his brain. And he said he did it within seven months where most people it would have taken seven years. Absolutely. Our bodies, our physical bodies are one of our most magnificent tools. But of course, physical body is only one of five bodies which we have. So what are the other bodies? So what, what do you think? Okay, we've got the body. That's one. The physical the spirit, body. Right, the physical body, the spirit or the soul. Am I right? The spiritual body, exactly. Okay, uh, the mind. The mental body. Okay. Um, emotional? Exactly, the emotional body. Okay, I'm stumped on the fifth one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give you a hint. Chakras. Energy. Exactly. Energetic body. Or the vibrational frequency. Or you refer exactly. to it as the energetic body? Um, pardon me? You refer to it as the energetic body versus saying vibrational frequency? Yes. I call them all our bodies, right? Although some people use different terms. This is how I like to refer to it. The most interesting for me is the energetic body because I love talking about how we're energy, how we're all interconnected, you know, how everything is energy and how we're connected to it and it affects us. Can we talk a little bit about that? We can talk about everything, but I actually have a question for you. Oh. It's very interesting that you said that you're automatically drawn to an energetic body. And in, in, in my studies and my practice and in my day-to-day -day life, I really witnessed people being very entangled with one of the five bodies. And for, for most of the time, it, those are the bodies which are expendable and the bodies that are temporary, so to speak. So I would like to ask you, out of those five bodies that we have, which body do you think is eternal? I would say either the spiritual body or even maybe more than one. So maybe the spiritual body and the energetic body. So in the teachings that I've been following for the last decade or so, I came to realize something that I deeply resonate with is that the spiritual body, aka the soul, is the only body which is inherently ours and forever shall be. And it is the only body that we are taking from one dimension to another, from one planet to another, from one level of consciousness to another. And it is the only body that is actually us. Mm -hmm. So even though we refer to it, or I refer to it as a body, maybe, you know, it is the, the, the true us, the true selves. So we are going to go, you know, back to the energetic body, but I would, I would love to start off with the eternal body, with the spiritual okay. body, okay. which, which should be, I would say, the main navigation towards everything and anything we want in life, right? Because 
everything other than following our true soul's desires is just a shoot in the dark and we may hit or miss. But you know, you know that feeling when you really want something, whether it is you know, to buy something or to run a marathon, and then you got it, and then maybe in like five minutes afterwards, you're like, that's that? Really? Do you, do you have an experience like that in your life? Did you ever have an experience like that in your life? Oh, yeah, definitely. So this is what happens when we fulfill one of the four bodies, wish or desire. So this is what happens when we get emotional body uh, getting what it wants or mental body getting what it wants and our energetic body manifesting, attracting this reality what it wants. However, one of the best things about spiritual bodies, kind of contradictory to what I just said, is that the spiritual body has no other desires but simply to be and to express everything it is. So leading a life, <laughs> so leading a life like that, and I'm not saying, you know, uh, isolating all desires because that, that is really not a point of human experience, but being connected and detached at the same time can only be really achieved by living, fully living, primarily through our spiritual body. So, so how do we do that? Very good question, thank you. Well, first we stop trying. Mm -hmm. There are so many coaches, educators, mentors, gurus who are giving us all those tools, prescriptions, protocols, ceremonies, rituals. And I would say the unlearning comes first and undoing comes first. And it's really shedding all those layers and going straight to the spiritual body. And, and here I would like to mention one exercise that you can do your, yourself if you're listening to this after this podcast is done. And this is why what I found to be kind of the fast way, kind of shortcut towards the spiritual body. And this is something that I use with my clients. And this is something that I use with my groups. And because, you know, when someone comes to me, I really want to speak to their spirit. I truly want to speak to their soul. And so very often, of course, the first thing that we're going to activate is our mental body because it's just the way it goes, right? Because we've been taught like that, because we've been programmed to have our mental body activated almost constantly. And there's this little exercise that I do to actually kind of penetrate into the depths, right? And be privileged to speak to all, an actual divine spirit that is within this person. And this exercise is closing your eyes, having a deep, deep breath, and just being at first, just existing. Letting yourself to be. And all those thoughts that come with that, you just let them circulate. You just let them flow. You don't try to stop them. You don't try to catch them. You do nothing with that. And after three to four minutes in this state of just 
being, listening to our heartbeat, listening to our breath, inhaling beautiful cold air, exhaling everything that troubles us. I like to ask the question, who are you? But before you respond, please wait. I want to know who you are without any outer world labels that have been given to you. I don't want to know your achievements, your name, your gender, your nationality, your age, your sexuality, your roles, mother, daughter, friend, none of that. I want to know who you are, who you really, truly are. And what usually happens is that people, of course, first they have this battalion of thoughts of everything they're not, because the mental body will always raise first to give us the answer to this question. But we just sit in silence and in peace and in bliss. until we feel this vibration and until our soul bit by bit starts to speak. So when I said unlearning and undoing, there is perhaps even the first thing that we do and that's reminding ourselves of our true nature, who we truly are. Because only by doing that, it makes sense to go into the unlearn and undo. Because we're not gonna, a lot of practitioners, a lot of books are always advocating, you know, working on core beliefs and then reframing what you've been taught and, and you know, um, kind of diminishing the social conditioning and whatnot. But this is once again, all mental body stuff. Mm-hmm. And why would we even go to a middleman? Why not go to the God directly? Because spiritual body is God. Spiritual body is unconditional love. Spiritual body is the point of creation and point of destruction. Spiritual body is everything that ever was, everything that is, and everything that ever will be. Now imagine the power when you create your life out of that, out of that place. And when you get the answers on everything and anything from that point of creation directly from the creator itself, from the divine that you are. I think that um, some people have a hard time with that. And even for myself, because there's times where I'm in touch with my guides and my spirits and, you know, I'll, I'll hear things, I'll ask a question and I'll hear what I wanted to hear. And then I wonder, was that really them? Or was that just me hearing what I wanted to hear? So I think a lot of times that's why we decide to go through a middleman so that we can be more certain that the thoughts were, were, that are coming through are not of us. Because I have that, not a lot, but sometimes I'm just like, is this myself? Because I really, really want this. So it is just me wanting it so badly that when I ask, I'm getting the answer yes. 
And why do you think that's wrong? That's the first answer. And let me follow up that uh, question. That's the first question. Let me follow up that question with another question. Why do you think there is anything but you? Why do I think there's anything but me? Exactly. Because there is. I mean, we have our guides and we have our angels. We have ascended masters. We have our higher self. You know, and then there's why, the universe. Why do you think there is any form of separation? So this, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> I love this house. Why do you think there is absolutely any difference, any difference whatsoever between your soul, between the divine creation and divine creator you are, and any of the entities, beings, uh, or, or divine creations? Who made you believe that there is difference between those two or three or gazillions of them? Well, same, same way as everybody else in society. Society says that they're up here and you're down here. That you've got to go here because you're here and you're, you're just a mere mortal being and you, you, you have, you, you have, you don't have the power that's up here. This, this is, this is what we're taught. And here we are. Exactly. Please, please go ahead. I'm sorry. For, for me. I recognize the fact that I'm a spiritual being having a human experience, but I also realize that, you know, I don't know everything in this lifetime that my angels and my guides, they're, they're there to help me for, to help me do what I was created in this lifetime to do. And what do you think you were created? I'm created to help people. To, to, to shed light and to shed love, to share my, my knowledge of holistic living. That's why I do this podcast. Can I, can I challenge that? Sure, go right ahead. This is an interesting podcast. I'm loving it. <laughs> Me too. I want to challenge that because I want to challenge that by asking, is there a possibility what you just told me was a response from your mental body. I'm sure it probably was. I'm sure it probably and it, was. And can you presume why am I asking this? Because of that exercise that you just took us through and you, you, were, you were talking about, you know, listening to the spirit, the soul and how the, the mental wants to get in the way because it's got to be always not not me me it's not about you soul spirit but move out of the way mental's got to that is one part of the answer and it's absolutely correct that is one part of the answer which you nailed i don't think i ever had anyone who explained it as good as you did <laughs> thank you for that <laughs> the second part is because the, the task of the mental body is to create. Mm. Makes right? sense. Yeah, makes sense. 
So naturally, we want to take what we are and who we are to create more of it, right? As the Bible says, at least with the first initial uh, uh, version, in the beginning, there was a word. No, I'm sorry. In the beginning, there was a thought. Pardon me. <laughs> in the beginning, there was a thought. So we already know how powerful our thoughts are. We already know right. how they're creating our reality. And right. our planet is on a level where we are able to comprehend this. We are now in the age of Aquarius. Jupiter, the biggest planet in our solar system, has just entered the sign of Pisces. The veil is shifting. The change is clear. People like my mom lied 30 years ago when sometimes even threatened for what she does. So I dare to say, tell me that if you agree with me, that we're living in a time when we're actually capable of accepting that our thoughts are creating our reality. So the biggest planet in our solar system, the planet which signifies, signifies faith, higher beliefs, higher level of consciousness has entered the sign of Pisces, which means that finally So um, Jupiter, the biggest planet in our solar system, the bringer of changes, the mighty Zeus, which ruled over Olympus, the planet of faith and higher consciousness has entered the sign of Pisces this year. And please correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that we all feel that we're now ready to embrace the idea that actually our thoughts are creating our reality. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? There are a lot of us, yeah, that are waking up to the, that fact. There are others who think it's a bunch of hogwash and they, they don't think that, you know, again, they're still brainwashed from when we've been told that the divine and angels and whatnot, they're up here and we're memorials and we're down here and we don't have that. But yet in the Bible, Jesus said to his disciples, you can do all of this and more. Exactly. And I, exactly. I, I think that maybe the reason Jesus was able to walk on water was because he matched his vibrational frequency with the frequency of the water. I am so glad we kind of went that way because I studied Bible, I studied Quran, I studied Torah. So my mom has taught me to really be very respectful towards religion. And although I'm not religious myself, I, right. in, my, in my close circles, I have a lot of friends that are, and they are members of different religions, right? Buddhism, uh, uh, Islam, we're talking about Muslims, we're talking about Christianity, 
because I really do feel that a broader perspective is needed if we're out to talk about something. And then again, for me, religion is a structured mental body concept of something that's very ethereal in its core. Now, here I want to pause a little bit because we got away from this initial question. Why do you think there is a difference between you and your guided uh, masses and your ascendant masses and your angels and whoever you're talking to when you are going to that deep connection? Because the premise that I stand behind, and this is something that really permeates all of my teachings, but all of the things that I've seen and witnessed in my own life, especially after being clinically dead for two minutes and 46 seconds. And that is, there is no difference whatsoever. And when I'm talking about God, I'm not talking about God alike. I'm talking about the soul being the God, the big G, the almighty, the creator, the perfection, the circle. Now, I'm talking about the fact that in our essence, this is who we are. And as you just said, so yourself, this is what Jesus knew. This is what Muhammad knew. This is what Shliman knew. This is what all those prophets and saints knew. That we're not less. We are divine. Well, in the Old Testament, I don't remember where it was, but there was a, uh, a scripture where God had said, you are all gods. Exactly. Now, I'm going to ask the question again. If this is the truth, can you really be wrong, even if you talk to yourself? Yeah. How? I've been wrong. I've been wrong before. <laughs> Give me an example. I want to challenge that. Oh, okay. Um, I was thinking about doing an event for holistic, living a holistic lifestyle, and I actually have a pendulum that when I'm uncertain, I'll ask questions to. And I had asked if I should do this event, and it said yes. I even asked about the venue, if I should do it at this venue, and it said yes. So I had everything, I had everything worked out. Nobody came. Well, I should say nobody registered. I didn't secure the venue because I was not going to secure the venue until I know, knew I had people coming. <clears throat> but I got no response. And you think that is the answer to whether you should do event or not. You don't think that there is a promotion that should have been done differently. You don't think that there is a possibility that there is a part of you which sabotaged that because you don't want to speak on stage. 
because you're not sure can you deliver it properly because there is maybe a backlash in the form of people who will tell you that you know you're too and wishy-washy so you're telling me that none of that is possible that it's really that you were wrong your sacred intuition was dead wrong now when you put it like that i, I do feel like part of me might have, might have been sabotaging myself and i feel that quite often with different things that i do and i try not to do it and i don't know how to change it i'm like why is this happening because i believe in it so strong i'm like this is going to be great this is going to be awesome you know i really want to do this i really want to put the put this out there and then it flops like there was another time i wanted to do a health health and wellness fair it flopped because there is one big thing which was omitted from the Bible. And there is one big thing which is lacking in social conditioning of Catholicism. And I will presume that at least part of your life you were exposed, in one part of your life you were exposed to Catholicism or Christianity for that matter. Both. So ensuring something will happen doesn't come from a demand. Actually, the demand is a confirmation of lack. Hence, this is why when we really truly want something, we should never ask. One big thing is missing. That is gratitude. And truly embodying the feeling of having that what we want to attract. I can promise you, if you would be doing creative visualizations of at least 20 minutes, maximum 25, for 10 days in a row prior to the event itself, imagining how will you feel when you greet all those people? What will you be wearing? What perfume will you put on? How, which part of the body will be the, the warmest? How okay, now you... Now you've got me going through my closet. <laughs> what am I going to wear? Exactly. Because putting yourself right. emotionally and energetically into this is already happening. Right. And saying thank you with the same intensity that you would normally use to say please. Now, did you do that? No, I mean, I do, I do express gratitude on a daily basis. You know, I, I have like, my end goal is to have a health and wellness spa. And I know that when I'm waking up or going to sleep, I know my brain is in the fetish state to where I can reprogram myself and I'm, I can manifest things more strongly. So when I'm waking up in the morning, I see that spa. I, I walk through that organic garden. You know, I'm up on the stage doing workshops. I see it. I see the people there. I see the gratitude that they've given me because I have this facility for them. So I show gratitude, but, and, and when, when I do pray, I don't pray like, oh, please do this, please do that. Um, for instance, my friend Heidi, has been having tr trouble sleeping and she asked me to pray for her. 
So I say, thank you, Father. Thank you to Heidi's angels and her guides and ascended masters and spirit animals that Heidi had a good night's sleep tonight. That's how I pray. Did I pray like that for the event? No, I didn't. Did not. So do you still believe that this was a sign from the universe that you were wrong? Or perhaps the energetic and the emotional part wasn't executed and only mental part was? I'll agree with you. I want to go back to the original premise of not of us not being wrong. It's impossible. It's the same thing as saying that the God is wrong. God cannot be wrong. Whatever happens when we're truly following our inner guidance, but I do have to say that there is a difference between following our inner guidance and our ego and our mental body. And I will challenge the fact that most people follow their mental construct and ego and think this is spiritual guidance because it feels a certain way. And this is where our emotional body may be a devil's advocate, right? Because we, we can feel this is true. But guess what? Feelings can be wrong. Feelings can be misleading. Feelings are only one point of expression of who we are. This is why there is a very, very big difference between feeling, knowing, thinking, acting, and simply being. I love what you're doing with this book. Resort. I love the vision that you're having. And I would actually say that in the moment when you will be able to open your eyes after that visualization and actually have to ask yourself, was that reality or is this reality? Nice. It will be around a couple of months at most before you will actually see this in 3D. That is how strong it needs to be, right? Because manifestation, people are treating it like a one-time thing or, you know, two times thing. I, I'm seeing constantly this manifestation challenges. 31 days to manifest the life of your dream. Maybe if you took psychedelics before, I'll give you, you know, a benefit of a doubt. But if you weren't on shrooms or ibogaine or ayahuasca, very unlikely. I will, I will just start by saying that I, as, as spiritual as I am and as esoteric as I am, I'm in love with science equally. So I want to say to all of those who are listening to this, whoever taught you that science and spirituality are in war, it's only transferring what's happening within them because science is nothing but the contemporary language of mysticism. And if I was taught anything, it was that every single thing that is happening in this world of spirituality, high realms, and, and anything that you can possibly imagine can be really boosted, backed up, and explained by science. 
So those two are best friends, not mortal enemies. This is one other construct we want to remove ourselves from. So I'm gonna go back third time. I know I'm tiring you with this one, but I'm gonna ask you again. What is the re real reason? There's a real reason why you would allow yourself to believe that the highest part of you can be wrong. I guess I still got some deep programming to do. That aside, even that aside, can you think of a reason why so many of us don't want to accept that we are the creators of everything. Why? Because we're told we're not. That's we're one told, part. We're, yes. we're told, we're told we, we can't. And even as much as I've learned, I still question myself. I don't question what I'm being told because I've seen so many people create the lives they wanted through this method, methodology that I know it works. I know it can happen. So why wouldn't we? I'm sorry? Why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we accept that? Well, again, programming. You know, we're programmed that we're down here. We can't do that. And when you tell people that this is something you could do, you know, you're, you're called a witch. Once again, the witch stigma comes out, you know, you're told you're a witch, you're told you're crazy, uh, that that's against the Bible, you shouldn't, you shouldn't talk like that, you know, it's, uh, what, what do they call it, blasphemy, blasphemy. you know, that there's, uh, there's all this stigma behind it that we cling to, and as much as I try not to, I feel like there are still parts of me that have not let it go as much as I want to let it go and don't want to be in that mindset. You know, it's years of programming that we have to overcome. And what if I tell you that those years of programming can be eradicated completely in a matter of weeks? Would you believe me? Yes, I would. But to eradicate something, we need to know the root cause. I agree. And I think the answer to this is layered. And I want to go layer by layer, if you permit me, on why do we have the trouble with accepting our magnificence? Accepting our what? Magnificence, our light, our divinity, our power. Well, you know, when it's the church, too. The church holds you back because if you're in the church, you're listening to a man up there who is saying that, you know, he's had a revelation. Well, for me, it's like, I don't know that that revelation is for me. Maybe that's just a revelation that you got that was for yourself and not necessarily for everybody else. And then they have, you you know, to me, church is an institution. It's, it's a means of controlling people because that's what it does. And once I got out of the church, I realized that when I was in the church, I was judgmental of people, even though I didn't think I was. I was judging people. I was scrutinizing them. 
even though I didn't think I was. Because once I came out of the church, my mindset changed. I became more sympathetic, more understanding, questioning, okay, well, why? Why is this person doing this? Why are they acting this way? Why are they living this way? You know, instead of going, oh my gosh, how could you live like that? My mindset changed. I started thinking for myself instead of letting the church dictate what I was thinking and what, what I was believing and what I was living. Not that it, not that church is bad, but it's just, it, it, I was in it for a long time. I was in the church, well, I was raised in the Catholic church. And then there was no church from the time that I was maybe nine years old until I was in my twenties. And then I went into the church in 1993 till about 2012, 2013. That's a lot of years in the church. You know, so I just. So do you feel that there is still some resentment left towards this institution and perhaps towards yourself for abiding by the laws of this institution? I do, because there are certain things that I'll question, like if I want to do something, I'll be like, well, God agree with this or am I going to go to hell? So there is certainly this resentment that is still present for even being, for even being submitted to that. I wouldn't say resentment. I mean, I put myself there. It's not like anybody, you know. Usually the things that we cannot forgive ourselves are the things that we actually inflicted upon ourselves. Well, and that was that was definitely one of them. And what, what the way I had gotten back into the church was because I, I at one point I was practicing Wicca. And then it, there was a lot of weird stuff that was happening during that time. A lot of weird stuff. And I was I was taking taekwondo classes. And they were sitting around, they were talking about religion. Well, not really religion, but God. And the devil came up and I said, I don't believe the devil exists. I believe that evil exists because people let it exist. That's what I believe. And they went, oh, no, you say that you're letting the devil come and work in your life. And they're like, you need to go to church. And I was kind of open to it at that time. So they did tell me about a church that I could go to. And my experience with church has always been, you know, people who judge you and, you know, want to tell you how much of a sinner you are and how much you're going to hell. But this church that I went to, they weren't like that. They were different. And I kept waiting for someone to stab me in the, in the back. I was like, okay, when's it coming? When's it coming? But nobody ever did. But it's just the, and at that time, because I was practicing Wicca, and I didn't practice that long, I had a, I had a lot of crystals. And when I went into the church, that's new age, that's evil. I went home and I threw away all of my crystals. Every single one of them. 
but I've replenished them. I have more now than what I had then. And realized that, you know, first off, the father created everything. He gave us these things here on this earth, on this planet for us to use for our good, not for evil. And I don't know your thought on it, Tana, but I do not think crystals can be used for, for, for bad. I, I don't think that. I think the worst thing you could do is give somebody a crystal that is loaded with negative energy. I, I think that's the worst thing that you could do. But I don't think that crystals are evil. God made Aaron a breastplate that was laden with crystals. If they were so horrible, why would he have done that? There's crystals mentioned throughout the Bible. It's very interesting you're asking this. Did you hear about the saying, nothing is inherently bad or good, only thinking makes it so? Or using it that way. I mean, that's just like guns. Guns aren't bad. It just depends on who's holding the gun. Money isn't bad. It just depends upon what you're doing with it. Things aren't bad. Nothing is bad or good. And there is a karmic depth teachings in a Buddhism and Hinduism. Whereas, you know, they're actually teaching children in the kindergarten the acceptance of the faith and bearing with the karma where they have very radical examples of, you know, a little girl age three being born and, and raped and killed. But then as we're going through the soul's transgression, we realize that this little girl in her previous life was a man who raped, killed, molested many women, little girls included and decided to experience exactly this in the upcoming life, to have the experience of what he was and what he is not any longer. So, and, and this is the problem, you know, with Catholicism, the main problem is this feeling of inadequacy, not enoughness, being sinful, not being perfect. Mm -hmm. And I really want to go back to why, right? You know, those to peel those layers of why we're so prone to believe this is the, this is the truth. Now, of course, we've been taught like that. Uh, we've been conditioned, right? And right. here I want us to understand, our listeners to understand that once when we're conditioned, so once when core belief is implemented into our subconscious mind. After a certain period of time, our core belief becomes our identity. So it's not only what we think and what we know is the truth, but it's who we are. So removing this belief presumes a form of self-abandonment, presumes killing the identity that we're holding at that moment in time. That is the first thing where people don't actually step out of their core beliefs because they're no longer core beliefs. 
they have become the part of our identity. The second reason is because of the biochemistry. Now let's go, let's be very scientific uh, uh, right now. The human body has two tasks and two tasks only to survive and to procreate. And that is really clear and precise in any biology work, you can see that. Whenever we're doing something, whether it is bad or good, or whether it is useful or not, or whether it is for our own good or detrimental, beneficial detrimental, right? Whenever we are doing that, our body goes into the fight or flight mode. Our alarms sound on, right? Start to be very vocal. And our own biochemistry, our own physical body is opposing the change because the change trans is translating into not safe, not safe, not safe, not safe, not safe. And what would happen, Joyce, if we would do something that's unsafe, let's say 20,000 years ago, take average human and let them take a risk, right? Because in this situation, the change is a risk. Yeah. Let them partake in any risk 20,000 years ago. What is the first thing that comes to mind just by thinking? What would happen? I'm thinking like a caveman and a saber-toothed tiger. So they would and probably that, get eaten. Not if you could run really fast. But let's just, can we both agree that taking risks 20,000 years ago wasn't really recommended? Yes. So for all listeners, I want you to Google this. I want you to go and open Google and open PubMed. And PubMed is the biggest medical library, online medical library on the planet. And write the evolution of a human species 20,000 years ago. And you will get around 24,000 articles on how much we changed biologically since then. But I can spare you reading and skimming through all of them by telling you zero. Zero. Our biology is absolutely the same as it was 20,000 years ago. To the inch, to the last atom. So if your own biology is preventing you from changing, you have a second layer on top of that. First, you have all the social conditioning and programming and the fact that a lot of people will be uncomfortable with that and they may lose a friend or two and that you may alleviate yourself from family and whatnot. Then you have this, you know, I have to change my identity. I have to renounce that identity, right? Then you have your own biology working against you. And then as this is not enough, you have that fourth layer which is called responsibility. Because if you accept that you're an omnipowerful creature, you're gonna accept that you're responsible for every single reaction, not every single action. We cannot control everything from the outside. We can control our reaction to the everything on the outside. And if you have a responsibility, unfortunately, we are wired in a way that we're equalizing two words. One is the responsibility, the other one is blame. Which means that everything is your responsibility, everything is your blame too. Which also means that every bad that happened in your life is your fault. 
which also means that now on top of the confusion, biochemistry that works around you, society which is not supportive, you have your own pain because you've been just confirmed that you're not enough. Because you took the blame and not the responsibility. And by the way, those two are not synonyms. Taking the responsibility without embracing the blame. And it wasn't your blame because you didn't know. It cannot be your blame while your eyes are shut closed. And even when you know, and even when you see, it's okay, you're still learning. Give yourself time and kindness and gentleness. Don't push yourself to drive when you cannot even walk. Now, those are the four main things why people don't accept, right? The God within, the God which they are. And this is what I teach in my masterclass, in my group programs, in one-on-one, -on -one, how to make this change through all five bodies. Because we need to please our mind. We need to please our emotions. We need to make sure our energetic body is safe. We want to, we want to make our emotional body happy and satisfied. But soul comes first. And once when we step into that, and then going from within. So from the first layer, to the outer ones, not from the outer ones in, it's so much more difficult. If that's making so, sense. Yes, it does. So you mentioned your master class. You have a master class coming up, don't you? Yes, yes, I do. Oh my God, Joyce, I'm so glad you asked. I do, and I already have 70 fabulous ladies joining. Nice. I'm one of them. I'm so glad. Thank you so much. And I know that I also sent an invite for your daughter. Will she be joining us as well? You know what? I was going to ask her the other day and I didn't. And the reason I didn't is because she's going to get her CDL and she just got everything taken care of. And she's starting class on the 14th. Beautiful. Beautiful. Congratulations. You can always pass the good info and, you know, meaningful insights. I am so glad to, have, to, to host you there. I hope. I'm sure actually you'll enjoy, but I also hope that everyone who's listening to this right now uh, also feels nudged to, to join. You can find me on Tana Taylor or official Taylor Tana on Instagram. There's a link for application. Hurry up. There are only 30, 30 slots left. And as Joyce said, it's free. Free is good. I like free. <laughs> we all do. So is there anything, do you want to talk about the masterclass and give, give the audience an idea of what they can expect outside of what they just saw demonstrated here? Absolutely. I mean, we just barely scratched the surface, right? And in my teachings, I predominantly work with women and because we were forced to believe we need to do the things, uh, you know, in a very masculine mode. We need to chase, we need to pursue, we need to push, we need to run, we need to uh, go out there and do it. And that's really not what we need to do. I mean, we can. There's so much more easier methods and pleasurable uh, in the same time, at the same time, because guess what? Once when we're in our sacred feminine, all those beautiful things, they just come to us. So whether it is you want to be the chaser or 
the one who's been chased. It's completely up to you. But in my masterclass, I will be talking about how to actually address all five bodies in, the, in a loving way, how to love all five bodies, how to release social stigma, how to stop giving a damn about what anybody else thinks, including you. <laughs> and how to use mystical teachings, esoteric sciences properly. So you can use those tools. By the way, you don't need any of those tools. And if you don't use any of those tools ever in your life, it will be quite all right. But what a delight they can be. And since I was born and raised in a very spiritual household, I've been teaching, astro I was, I've been learning about astrology and teaching some basics uh, for the last 20 years. I've been in holistic nutrition for the last three and a half years. I've been in an energy work for the last 10 years. In gemstones, so crystals, therapies for the last 15 years. And I'm going to be sharing all the best practices from my own experience, but also from the experience of my clients. And when is this event happening? So the event is happening from 7th till 11th of February. So that's upcoming week, next week. So is it going to be interactive on Zoom? It's going to be inter interactive. And ladies, gird your loins because we're going to start off the masterclass by dancing. And that is the one thing that I always do with all my ladies. We move, we jiggle we swing and we just celebrate that beauty that we are because let's face it we are the beauty the, the prettier sex i don't want to say it but it's true <laughs> so tenna we're about to wrap it up is there anything you want to leave the listening audience with Thank you so much. First of all, Joyce, thank you for this. I've been personally acquainted with the magnitude of your work and with the fact that you're walking the walk, which is incredible. Um, I, my, it was my privilege to be hosted on this podcast. And you know what? If I, can, if I would like for you to stay with only one thing from today, that is you already are perfect. You are whole, you are complete, you are enough, you are brilliant, shiny, big, strong, and you already are everything that you aspire to be. Now go out there and enjoy that. Thank you, Tanya, so much for being with us today. I greatly appreciate your time. And, and I, I hope to have you back on again sometime. So thank you for listening and watching. Remember to hit the like and subscribe bell and subscribe button and hit the bell. Leave a comment. Let me know what you think. I will put the link for Tanya's masterclass in the, the comments. So check that out. And don't forget, we've got 20% off site-wide at heavenlybodieswellness.com. Coupon code is share love, all caps. And until next time, keep shining your light.